3: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
2: Washington DC. <laughs> Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980 I'm not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> Oh, baby, we are off and running on a Monday afternoon in the nation's capital and beyond via the Odyssey app. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Good to have you with us. Back from the weekend uh, that was, along with Maddie Ice, I am the rooster flying solo uh, on this side of the glass today. Uh, we will see if something pops up. Uh, we will let you know about that. For right now, it is me. And you, with Maddie chiming in as well, right here on this Motown Monday. Yeah, baby, love the music of Motown. And it's been speak. a minute since we'd had a Motown Monday. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right because we've had three out of the last four Mondays off. Yes, basically is what it amounts to. We've been very lazy around here. Uh, very lazy. I mean, yeah, because we, we had Christmas Day off Monday. New Year's Day off Monday, and then Martin Luther King holiday two weeks after New Year's Day off. We worked one Monday in the last month.
0: I'm not which, too upset about it.
2: I'm not that upset about it either. This week's going to be tough, But in the football though. season, Mondays are prime days, prime real estate, right? So in a way, I wish we could have had something different Yeah. in a way. Oh, yeah,
0: we came in a little. It was By the time we came back on, all the talk of the games was mm-hmm. already done, so there wasn't really a need to talk about all the football that was happening. I mean, so. we talked about it, oh, yeah, but it's not, it's not as the much. same no, on a not Tuesday as, a day after. as it is
2: on a Monday, right? It just isn't. So here we are, and away we go. And, I mean, listen, divisional playoff weekend is generally the best weekend of the playoff weekends, right? Because in the wild card round, even though you get the six games compared to the four, you get, generally speaking, lesser teams. Generally speaking. Now, they're all playoff teams, obviously, Duh, But with the expansion to seven, with the number one seed off on bye, with no break in between the arduous regular season and some teams need to win basically... Four or five games in a row down the stretch, as the Commanders slash Redskins have had to do several times in order to make the playoffs. You know, sometimes you just run out of gas. And sometimes the games are really not good. Five out of the six games last weekend sucked. Awful. This weekend, Baltimore and Houston was tight until early in the third quarter when Baltimore then opened up a can of whoop-ass. So that game became a blowout, but that game was really, really intriguing and tight in the first half. And then even for, I guess, half or so of the third quarter, even though Baltimore came right out, marched down the field, and scored within, uh, I think it was like uh, the 10-minute mark of the third quarter on Saturday afternoon at M&T Bank Stadium. Green Bay-San Francisco was tight throughout, even though Green Bay at one point had a touchdown lead Going into the uh, the fourth quarter, I want to say, um, it was never more than a one-score game. It was always tight. So we got the goods on Saturday night. It wasn't a great played, uh, greatly played game by any stretch. As a matter of fact, it was a really, really, really poorly played game by the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously not a well-played game by the Green Bay Packers, or they would have won. Because they had a million opportunities. Yesterday afternoon, first up on yesterday afternoon, was Tampa and Detroit. And at one point, with about mm, seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, it became a 14-point game. It had been nip and tuck back and forth much of the way throughout up until that point. And then just when you thought, lights out, Tampa's done, they go right down the field, and Mike Evans is just a beast. And all of a sudden, at seven. They go for the two-point. They don't make it. They still have a chance to get a defensive stop. And I don't know what Todd Bowles was doing there at the end of the game. I'm not saying that they would have won, but Detroit snaps the ball way too early. Todd Bowles doesn't take his time out on fourth down. I have no idea what either side was doing. It was like both teams had a major, enormous brain cramp late in that game, and ultimately Detroit wins, but that was at least an entertaining game almost throughout. And then obviously last night was, you know, again, not a well-played game in a lot of ways, but it was a fun, exciting game. So three out of the four were nip and tuck right down to the final couple of minutes. And Baltimore-Houston, which wasn't, was a fantastic game In the first half, and you started to think, oh, wow, Houston might be able to win this. You know, they get the big kick return from former commander slash Redskins slash washington football team return artist Stephen Sims Jr., and you start to think, hmm, if CJ can start hooking up, you know, heating up, if they can run the ball at all against this Baltimore defense, which is kind of the soft if you will, part of the Baltimore defense, if there is one, Houston might be able to do something here. And then it was all Lamar. And then it was just like Lamar said, please, child, please, get the bleep out of here. I'm going to kick your ass.
0: Went for the highlight reel.
2: And just did it all. I mean, just carved them up like, you know, a bunch of cutco knives. I mean, just slicing and dicing, baby. And that throw to Isaiah Likely, oh, by the way, Again, not that it took a genius to figure this out. If you didn't bet Isaiah Likely as a prop anytime touchdown scorer, A, you weren't paying attention to your boy on Twitter, at WrestleMania 621, because I told you you should on Saturday morning, one. Two, you didn't even need to listen to me. You could just check recent history. Trends, baby. Isaiah Likely, because Mark Andrews has been out, and Isaiah Likely has been an intriguing prospect. And I'll give... Uh, my former partner, Pete Medhurst, who doesn't like me anymore. Uh, and I'll give him a little credit um, for being hot to trot on Isaiah Likely. I think out of Coastal Carolina or something like that. Um, when he was first drafted, he was all over him. Isaiah Likely, I mean, they don't miss Mark Andrews right now. Now, listen, it will help to beat Kansas City if Mark Andrews can come back. And I assume he'll be able to play because he was pretty damn close to playing this week. It would help. But Isaiah likely has more than made up for Mark Andrews' production. And the Ravens rocked and rolled over a game Houston team, but a Houston team that lets the crap out of Lamar in the first half and was aggressive and came downhill and attacked and did their thing, and then for whatever reason, didn't do it as much in the second half, probably because they were struggling to cover, and Lamar was breaking the pocket and doing what Lamar does. But the difference is, is Lamar can do it now from the pocket more consistently. Like, it's not like he couldn't do it from the pocket. Before this year, he was really good. I've always said this about Lamar. He was really good as a pocket passer in the red zone because of the fear of his legs, because of the fear of his mobility. He was not as good outside of the red zone because defenses could play him differently and better, and because he was still learning how to be a pocket passer. You look at a couple of those throws, and, 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 and there was one in particular, and I forget who it went to. Maybe it was a crossing route to Odell. I'd have to go back and double-check. But Lamar lined up on the left hash, and he kind of drifted back and crossed the middle of the field to the right hash. And Morgan Moses had the left defensive end or linebacker completely occupied and completely blocked the whole field, was there for Lamar to take off and run, and probably run for about 35 yards. And Lamar said, no, I'm throwing this seed. I'm throwing this rock. And he fired a seed, a strike, to the receiver. Again, I think it was Odell, but I'd have to go back and double-check. Lamar doesn't make that throw in the past all the time, or consistently, or maybe any of the time. Lamar runs with that, and so do many mobile quarterbacks. That's the difference between Lamar and everyone else. That's the difference between Lamar and, well, I mean, mean, clearly there's monster differences between Lamar and Robert Griffin, but Lamar and Michael Vick, until Michael Vick got with Andy Reid in Philadelphia and learned how to become a passer. You have to be able to use your mobility to manipulate the defense and then still have the gumption to fire strikes on target and the ability to do that instead of always just running and scrambling for your life. And that's what Lamar has done more and more and more and more and more this year. And it's not like he hadn't had injuries. I We talked about that ad nauseum. Not this year, but he missed 13 games down the stretch the last two years, it was the number one reason why I said I can't do Lamar. I can't pay him two hundred plus million dollars and three first round picks or two first round picks or whatever the hell it would have cost. I can't do it. I cannot do it. But I, you know, this year proved me wrong. He stayed healthy the entire year, and on Saturday it took him a little while to get going, but man, did he get going! All right, more on that coming up. First, this. Let me start with this. Last night, we'll stay in the AFC, and then we'll get to the two NFC games on the other side. You want to jump in? Uh, 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980 is how you can hop aboard on the Ace Law listener lines. In a rec Case Law. I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. Call us at 301-230-0980. So the Chiefs win 27-24 over the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, right? The weather was not as big of a factor as everybody was thinking, fearing, whatever. I mean, it was cold, obviously, duh. But it was not a factor really in any way that I could see in the game. The Chiefs winning 27-24 should not be a surprise if you actually pay attention. And that's the problem. Too many people don't pay attention. Your boy had them straight up. I mean, obviously to cover the two and a half, but I picked them on the money line. Said that on the air last week, bet it, and I'm not a big better. I mean, I'm pretty proud of myself because that was a spot where a lot of people, a lot of people were picking the Bills home team, the home's first road playoff game. Kansas City's offense has been generic, uh, kind of neutralized all year. As soon as I saw it, forget about Gabe Davis being out Knowing that Matt Milano, their best linebacker, is out. And yesterday afternoon when we got word of Terrell Bernard out, who just absolutely harpooned the Commanders in week three and kept it up after that. Missing Milano. Missing Tredavious White. Missing uh, Terrell Bernard. Missing Gabe Davis. I, I, I thought to myself, there's almost no, not that there's no way, But are the Bills really good enough to overcome all that, especially if Josh Allen isn't Superman? And that was the other part of the equation. Against a really good Kansas City defense, and they make no mistake about it, they weren't very good in the first half. It took them a while to get going. But once they got going, they sunk their teeth in a little bit. But the other part of the equation was, could Josh Allen overcome no Gabe Davis? Could he overcome if Buffalo could not run the football very effectively? And and, and what I mean very effectively, I mean, obviously, by the numbers they did, Josh had 72 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns. But I'm talking about, like, where they ran the ball like they did against Dallas a couple of weeks ago, where James Cook was just tearing them up. And that was not the case. Last night. Again, the numbers would not tell you that. But if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. Again, a quarterback. Like, not all of those were called runs. A bunch of those were scrambles off re, or off of uh, RPO. You know, that type of thing. Uh, so, again, some of that is by design. Some of that is by play call. What have you. But I was convinced going into this game That with all the Bills' defensive injuries, and then on top of that, on top of that, if Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, if Josh Allen was going to have to be Superman, I did not trust that Bills' offense to be Superman-like. And listen, I almost got burned by it because the Bills should have won that game or at the very minimum tied it. We all know about the blown field goal at the end. 44 yards, whipping wind, wide right, all of that horrible kick. But the two plays before that, man, if Josh Allen is who America thinks he is, and if Josh Allen is ever going to win, hell, win, get to a Super Bowl, he has got to make something happen on either one of those last two plays. I don't care what the circumstances were. I don't care what the pressure was from Chris Jones walking Deion Dawkins back. He's got to find a way to get 7 yards, 8 yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, whatever it is. All game long, he had struggled north of the line of scrimmage. I'm going to give you the exact numbers when we come back. All game long, north of the line of scrimmage, he had struggled. He was great around the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. He was perfect all game long. And then we try and play hero ball. We try and play Superman. We try and do what hasn't worked. All game. I know they beat Le'Jarius Sneed for his first touchdown since like week 15 of last year. Congratulations. It took a precision throw. It took a dart front corner of the end zone, low to the ground. Great throw, great play. I'm not trying to take it away. Shakir did a nice job snatching it off, you know, low off the ground. I'm not trying to Take that away. But all game long, Josh Allen was better behind the line of scrimmage and around the line of scrimmage than he was anything north of the line of scrimmage. And again, I'll give you the next-gen stats when we come back. What in the world was Buffalo doing and thinking when they needed, not that it was a guarantee, I'm not suggesting that it wasn't. And a lot of you are going to say, Chris, what are you talking about? The kick was so bad he would have missed it from, you know, eight yards out. Guys, 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 guys. It was a 44-yard miss. We're not talking about a 56-yard miss. The line of scrimmage was the 26-yard line. If you gave me eight more yards, seven more yards— Obviously, it's an easier kick, 37, 38, 39, whatever the case might be. Maybe it's also spotted in the middle of the hashes instead of being on the right hash where you could see the wind was clearly blowing from basically left to right from the kicker's vantage point, where the kicker was, left to right. Clearly. So you had a wind, a strong gust. I've been in that stadium a million times. And you had the ball lined up on the right hash, and you had a kick of attempt of 44 yards instead of 37, 36, 35, whatever. it Hell, less if Josh Allen hits Stephon Diggs, who is a pain in the ass, if he hits Stephon Diggs on that crossing route instead of trying to go down the field and get walked into by Chris Jones... It's a completely different kick. It's a completely different situation. Now, I know what you're going to say. If Stefan Diggs catches that bomb, it's a y- – yes. I'm not saying it's all Josh Allen's fault. But, hey, you're the quarterback. You are paid the big money. You have all the glory. You've got to be better in that spot, period. And Josh Allen wasn't good enough. And neither were the Bills. And Sean McDermott – is a whack job too when some of his coaching decisions we'll get into that along the way plus the two nfc games tampa and detroit san francisco and green bay when we return plus your phone calls on a motown monday 301-230-0980 on the team 980 and the odyssey app call from mom answer it
0: call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
2: Well, heat wave, baby, 126. It feels like a little bit of a heat wave out there. It was like 37 degrees when I got in my car. I mean, that qualifies as a heat wave, right? After what we've been through.
0: I was up a little bit early this morning. Uh-huh. I got to say, it was like 19 when I went out oh, this I'm morning. Sure it wasn't oh, fun. Miserable.
2: Yeah. But it, it couldn't have been worse than Saturday, which was just a bit unbearable. I, I I went Saturday, outside for
0: about, I think, 30 seconds and yeah. immediately was like, oh, whatever I had to do, not worth Saturday, it. Saturday,
2: there was blowing snow and like, you know, like you see in, in blizzard-like conditions coming off of roofs of houses and whatever. You could see the wind all day long. I went out Saturday for the first time at like 425, right before the Ravens and Texans started yeah. to take a little bit of a walk to get my fat ass some exercise. Nothing like waiting until five minutes before a playoff game to do so. I was too busy uh, in the analytics lab uh, on Saturday. And I thought I was never going to make it home. It was so unbearably cold and windy at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. I was like, oh, my goodness!" Like, I I don't – I've lived here now 16 – let me see – I think it's 16 and a half years or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen some blizzards. I've seen two feet of snow. I I mean, I've seen it all. And I'm sure I've seen cold days like Saturday. Saturday, the cold air, the Arctic air, like 24 degrees or whatever it was, I think a high. Along with the 20 to 25 mile an hour consistent whipping winds. Oh, and that's the thing. The wind. Is the worst. It's not the cold temperatures.
0: You want to know something the ironic slash kind of funny? So, my girlfriend spent this weekend out with some friends out in Colorado skiing. It was about 40 degrees out there. It was warmer where she was skiing than it was here in DC.
2: In like Aspen and yes. all that? Wow. Now, I saw Hollywood Nick Ashew, our colleague who now works at BetQL. Oh, is he doing to- a red carpet? Uh, no, no, I'm sure. Although I'm sure as soon as he gets back, uh, he will, but I saw him and his wife out at like some ski resort. Cause they go on 14 vacations a year. And I saw them at some ski resort and they had snow all over the place mid last week. I don't know what happened this weekend. I don't ski. I don't do any of that. Homie, don't play that as I like to say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean like, like sometimes you get that in Colorado, like You could get six, seven, eight inches of snow overnight, and by noon, it's like 60-some-odd degrees. Yeah. It's crazy out there. Um, Saturday was brutal, just brutal, and it didn't look fun in Baltimore for the Ravens and the Texans, and it took the Ravens, again, a full half to really warm up and to really hit their stride.
0: I will say, though, the one thing that was beneficial almost with all the cold weather was that Texas had seen this cold for the past week. So the whole, oh, they're coming from from Texas. Oh, they're going to have to deal with all of a sudden dealing with cold weather. It's like, well, but they were practicing in 14-degree weather this week. Troy Aikman, who's
2: as as interesting as a saltine cracker, um, says nothing of any consequence at all on the broadcast, was like, yeah, I was in Texas this week, and it was cold. Listen, man, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was in the 30s. Texas don't get cold like it got cold
0: apparently yet, in uh, the, Saturday
2: and it doesn't get cold like it did in Kansas City last Saturday or for any days around that or in Buffalo uh any of the last week and a half apparently that, in Dallas different kind it of hit cold. 14 really yeah oh, I didn't hear I didn't see that so okay.
0: cold is, this is legit cold this isn't nope. this isn't nope. Texas cold
2: I know in Little Rock Arkansas and surrounding you know areas cuz I got some family there It was brutally cold all last week, snow, all that stuff. All right, Um, we can talk about weather all all, all the time. Ultimately, the weather did not have a major impact on these games, but I will tell you this. I mean, that, that missed kick clearly was taken by the wind, but there were other things that led up to it that contributed to that kick missing so badly. So don't be so freaking stubborn and naive to think, well, no matter what Josh Allen did or didn't do, uh, the kick would have been missed anyway. Again, don't be so naive, okay? And many of you are. That being said, what a terrible idea for a missed uh, for a fake punt to run Demar Hamlin, who we all know the story, but we all know Demar Hamlin didn't play a whole lot this year uh, until injuries pressed him into duty. To run on a like a fourth and five, 12 minutes left to go in a tight ball game.
0: And in his defense, he had a couple good plays over the course of the game.
2: Yeah, DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, a no, good but tackles. I'm talking about a fake punt in this oh, particular yeah, no, case. I'm, like if you're going to, idea. if you're going to, again, you can fake punt it. I'm not saying that he's the first head coach to ever determine a fake punt. If you're thinking about not punting in that spot, which is essentially the decision, why wouldn't you keep Josh Allen somehow, some way on the field? Like, that's the argument. It's not so much, oh man, that's a dumb decision because it didn't work out. Uh, even though I don't love the decision based on time, based on field position, based on score, all of that, that's a dumb decision. That's a dumb decision because you're taking Josh Allen off the field. You're taking Stefan Diggs off the field. You're taking Dawson Knox off the field. You're taking James Cook off the field. You're taking uh, uh, Dalton Kincaid off the field. It's just just a terrible decision. Two special teams blunders. One of them obviously cost the Bills. The other one, of course, didn't have an impact. But if they keep Josh Allen and crew on the field and decide to go for it, maybe they make it and maybe they score. Maybe they back the, they break the back in that spot of the Chiefs. We'll get you some of the particulars uh, coming up. But then real quickly, the other spot that I think you have to look at Buffalo and say, Oh my God, what happened here is the fact that they allowed 27 points to the Chiefs while playing at home when the Chiefs are as pedestrian of an offense as they're going to find or as they're going to be. You know, we all know that the Chiefs struggled this year. It was their first road playoff game, so on and so forth. We all know. And they didn't have. Kadarius Tony, not that that's the end of the world by any means. He drops every pass thrown to him. But, I mean, Kadarius Tony was huge for them in the Super Bowl run last year. But my goodness, what are you doing? Like, I know they had a ton of injuries. I got it. But you can't allow the Chiefs, I mean, on the second Kelsey touchdown, he's wide open by 20 yards. Now, some people are going to tell you that's great design. Yeah, sure. I'll take a Hall of Fame tight end, run a corner route, and he runs from Orchard Park to Syracuse, New York, with nobody near him by 20 yards. You got a single high safety who's playing 30 yards away from him on the other side of the formation. What are you doing? That's called defensive blunders. That's not called great execution by the offense. That's called a standard route to a Hall of Fame tight end from a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the Bills acted like they had never seen Jason Kelsey run a route ever before. I'm Travis Kelsey. I'm, I'm so scarred by Jason Kelsey running around without a shirt. Time for a trending alert, and then we'll get um, – to your calls and the rest of the nfc picture after this here's what's trending on the team 980 all right trending alert is brought to you by our friends at the maryland maryland if i could say it in english vehicle theft prevention council maryland drivers did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of maryland the key to preventing theft is in your hands lock your car take your key use an anti-theft device learn more about vehicle theft protection at md theft uh, md auto Theft. That's MDAutoTheft.org. All right, we start with some local news. No, the Commanders do not have a new head coach, but the former head coach and Grand Poobah of football operations here in Washington, Ronald Eugene Rivera, is going to interview for the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator position. That's right. Looks like, it looks like, Uh, Their head coach, Nick Sariani, is staying. Over the weekend, we found that Sean Desai, their now former defensive coordinator, was fired and Matt Patricia was going to leave to uh, explore other opportunities. Boy, I wonder where he's going. Uh, And so we found that out. And then we found out about interest in Wink Martindale. But now Ron Rivera, according to Jeremy Fowler and other reports, going to interview for the Philadelphia Eagle defensive coordinator position. Meanwhile, the Lions, again, advancing to the NFC Championship, dealing with some injuries. They've bolstered their tight end group by signing veteran tight end Zach Ertz. They've got some injuries on their offensive line to deal with uh, as well. And that's what's trending. All right, good to have you with us here on a Motown Monday in the nation's capital and beyond for divisional playoff games in the books. Told you a bunch about the Ravens over the Texans. We'll get more on that later. Obviously, Kansas City, Buffalo. We haven't touched the controversial rule, the debate there. We'll get into that as well. Quick thought on both of the NFC wildcard, uh, not wildcard games, divisional round games that we saw over the weekend. First, Tampa and Detroit. 31-23, Detroit wins. Uh, you know, Baker throws the late interception. He played great for the most part outside of that. 26-41, 349, three touchdowns. Did have the early interception off the deflection. Uh, I, I, great might be a stretch. He played good enough. Road playoff game in that Hornets nest. Yes, Detroit's defense is not that good. Outside of Aiden Hutchinson and a couple of young spry guys, but mm, C. Gardner-Johnson's good, pretty good, not great in coverage, but he did have an interception. You get the point. Tampa, outside of Todd Bowles late and outside of finding a way to get one more defensive stop, did just about everything you could ask for a Tampa Bay team. Detroit is what this is about. Right? Detroit puts up 31 points. And they certainly deserve a lot of credit for that. They go for it on fourth and goal from the inside the one after getting stuffed on first, second, and third down. Not stuffed, but denied. They get the touchdown. So, once again, Dan Campbell is like a 53% conversion on fourth down rate guy. Uh, goes for it the most. Everyone knew he was going for it. They get the touchdown from Craig Reynolds in that spot. That was obviously huge. That was late third quarter. I still walk away saying that that offense is much more, and I know people are going to get mad at me, that offense is much, much, much more about their incredible offensive line. And I know they lost Jonah Jackson early. I know Frank Ragnow was banged up and tough as nails. But, man, you got Panay Suel, who was the number six overall pick. You got Tyler Decker, who's been there forever, who's been a good left tackle. That offensive line is the glue to everything, in my opinion. The run game, obviously pass protection for golf. Tampa who blitzes a ton. Tampa had two sacks, okay? Which, again, that doesn't mean that the the Lions' offensive line was perfect. Nobody's expecting them to be perfect. But probably against a blitzing defense like Tampa, most teams are going to generally give up three or four sacks. They give up two. And one of them, I thought, was more on on golf than the offensive line. They ran, did Detroit, 71 offensive plays. Gave up two sacks. They ran for 114 yards, which is about league average. Nothing special. But when they had to have it, they went for it on the fourth and goal. Got it. Easily. And Jameer Gibbs, that one run for the 31-yard score, virtually untouched. And the notion that that has nothing to do with the offensive line, crazy. The notion that that's all Ben Johnson's freaking design, ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper Ludicrous from State Farm, no. Ludicrous. That's Jameer Gibbs, yes, and that's the offensive line. Period. The offensive line is the glue, the straw that stirs the damn drink in Detroit. It's not Ben Johnson. And again, people get mad, get get mad at me, you know, yell at me because I, I I dare question. Oh my goodness. Whether something could be the defense's fault, as opposed to some nerd in the film lab just drawing up fancy schmancy plays. Listen, football is played on both sides. Wake up, people. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And their defense, which again, Todd Bowles, long time, good, really good defensive mind former Washington Redskins Super Bowl champion, all that. Aggressive as you know what. On the Josh Reynolds nine-yard touchdown in the second quarter, that some people were parading around on Twitter going, oh, my God, it's Ben Johnson. Oh, Ben Johnson. The sun rises and shines in Ben Johnson's underwear. They had four, four. Defenders to cover three guys, three receivers to the right side of the offensive formation. Four! And the receiver, Josh Reynolds, was open by eight yards in the back of the end zone. They had four! I've watched it a million times. I've seen it on next gen stats, I've seen the animation. Four defenders to that side to cover three dudes, and Detroit got open by eight yards. And I got to get into pissing matches on Twitter with all sorts of people that think that Ben Johnson sat there and just creatively carved up Tampa Bay and Tampa didn't blow a coverage, didn't pass off a receiver in zone, wasn't expecting a safety to jump down and cover and double an underneath receiver, and conveniently ignored that they had four guys there to cover three, and yet blew the coverage by seven or eight yards. Not to mention what happened on a third and one to a fourth string tight end in which, okay, you give up the first down, fine, That's going to happen. Can we please not give up 31 yards to a fourth-string tight end? Because the dude overruns the play and misses a tackle and gives up an extra 28 yards. Can we please do that? It is absolutely absurd. And I need to rant about this. I'm sorry. It is absolutely absurd that people think football is solely and exclusively about who can draw up the fanciest of plays. People. Nobody is denying that Ben Johnson is a good offensive coordinator. Now, his offense is a little bit hot and cold at times. We've seen that down the stretch. We've seen that. The notion... That Ben Johnson, and Ben Johnson primarily, and Ben Johnson alone, more than players, more than a defense butchering coverage, a terrible defense at that in the secondary. I mean, you notice how Jared Goff did not really heat up until the starting corner went out, and they started picking on the reserve kid. I forgot his name. Oh, they just picked on him to no end and again the touchdown to jo- uh, Josh Reynolds that drove me nuts and i got to be arguing with you There's some of you numb nuts out there that think i'm mad because uh i uh, be- because i don't have a time slot that i want. or because uh i be- because i'm just looking to be a contrarian oh go screw nonsense football is played by players. It is executed or not executed by players. It is not one in the lab. And it never has been. Period. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. And because of that, I didn't even get to the Green Bay, San Francisco situation. I'll get to there next. Uh, plus, we'll get your calls. 301-230-0980. 980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right. Good to have you with us here on a Motown Monday. Uh, We got a little phone screener type issue. So I'm going to have to trust and uh, lean on Maddie, not trust, lean on Maddie to do a little bit more than he already has to do. So I apologize. Uh, We were trying to figure it out before we got to the phone calls. Can't figure it out on the fly, so we will keep on pushing. We'll get to Green Bay, San Francisco after 2 o'clock because I got a bunch of thoughts uh, on that. But let's get to uh, our buddy Jeff in Vienna, right? Uh, Right here before the top of the hour. And say Jeff's first up in the leadoff spot. What up, Jeff? How are you, pal?
3: Yeah, what a what a treat to bat leadoff. I there guess I'm not Anthony Rendon who hates baseball. Oh, apparently.
2: what a pain in the ass that guy. You know that guy's as annoying as the <laughs> sycophants that think Ben Johnson it, it, just again just walks on water. Please, uh, enough, enough, Anthony Rendon. Take your miserable, of- rotten ass home and just go away forever. I didn't even like him when he was here. Never mind since he's been here. My goodness. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. A lot of
3: piling, a lot of piling on on him. Um With regard to uh, Todd Bowles, I think, you know, the golden boy on the other side of the field needs to get a lot of questioning about kneeling down with 16 seconds on the play clock. too.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if that's Ben Johnson. I don't know if that's Dan Campbell. I don't know if that was just a mistake by the players. I have no idea. But that's terrible, right, with 36 or so seconds left. And, like you said, 16 seconds left on the play uh, play clock and uh, (laughs) and (laughs) – (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and they just butchered it. Sorry about that. You know what yeah. I was trying to say? Um, I don't know if
3: I, I don't yeah, know what I was
2: trying to I, I, don't, I don't I don't know how I said it exactly, but it sounded close enough that I needed to issue a clarification.
3: Exactly. And a couple quick uh, thoughts for uh, Robert from Annapolis and the other Ravens fans. Um be prepared for those uh pass interference flags that show up 15 seconds after the play is over. <laughs> and also, as an alternative to Tony Romo, you can listen to Kevin Harlan on Westwood One Radio, and I guarantee you will be much happier. Oh, for I know.
2: I know. I, I would much rather listen on the radio anyway. I mean, Westwood One, first of all, does a tremendous job. Uh, you know, we've had a few of those guys on, uh, you know, between Ross Tucker and Mike Mayock and uh, Mike Golick and so on and so forth. But Kevin Harlan's tremendous, number one. Uh, and again, this is nothing against Jim Nance per se, although Jim Nance is you know, syrupy, like, whatever is, is just a little too much for me to handle. Uh, Tony Romo has just, like, Tony Romo, everybody loved Tony Romo when he first came around. First couple of years, Tony Romo, again, couldn't I mean, walk on water. Like, everybody liked him. He, 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 you know, j- j- uh, and, and just now everybody hates him because they realize what kind of goofball he is.
3: Well, I think Bengals fans realized early on that if you're, playing Mahomes or Allen and Romo is doing the call, you cannot listen yeah. to the guy. You yeah. have to listen to the local radio yeah. guys. Yeah, it, I, I hear
2: you. I, a, hear you. It. I mean, I try not yeah. to get all fired up about that, uh, you know, uh, either way. Uh, uh, real quickly, I know you hate the Ravens, but I, I mean, is some part of you okay with them potentially being in the Super Bowl or are you like rooting like hell for the Kansas City Chiefs who have – you know oh, who who obviously ended your year last year after you guys ended theirs two years ago?
3: Now, I respect the hell out of the Ravens, but i I'm rooting for a stadium collapse on Sunday to be honest with you its It's like when Duke and North Carolina used to play basketball there there is no rooting for either side for me. <laughs> Jeff How about Justin and Vienna now, the problem is. The whole Kelsey shtick thing is just gotten so oh, overblown. It's so, uh, and if they I, win, I think, I think Taylor didn't...
2: is in Japan for the Super Bowl, uh, and I've oh, been told she's going to have a very, very, very logistically difficult time. Besides, obviously, the fact that she could take a private jet and all that, but I mean, it's still eighteen hours. It's still eighteen hours, or somewhere around that. And I think she's got a concert. I think the night before the Super Bowl, or so. So, I mean, theoretically, I think she could make it, but. I've been told that she's very unlikely to make the Super Bowl, which would make me very happy. If I don't have to deal with that nonsense, it has nothing to do with Tay-Tay. I like Taylor. It has nothing to do with her. Let me be clear. And not liking women or strong, independent women and successful women like some people accuse you of. It is the media nonstop slurp fest over what is going on in that suite that is so annoying.
3: Well, you can't turn on TV without one of those two bozos on a commercial. Yep. The the whole family jumped the shark last year when his mom started getting in on it. And I'm with you. I I saw Taylor Swift in Cincinnati this summer. I love her. I think she's great. Yep. I the you know. Goodell, whether it's coming from Goodell in the media office, I don't know, but it's just annoying. I think every time
2: they can get Taylor on TV or anything to do with the Kelsey's, they they want to maximize it because they they know what it means for social media and they know – Especially when, you know, uh, the, the Jason Kelsey's running around without a shirt and slugging beers and and jumping out of sweets and all that stuff. Appreciate you, Jeff. As always, good to hear from you uh, to get us going here on the phones. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law. Listener lines, we will come back for our number two straight ahead. Uh, some big time thoughts on the Green Bay Packers, the San Francisco 49ers, Ron Rivera interviewing with the Eagles, and Eric Bieniemy interviewing with the Commanders. All to come next hour, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
3: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over
1: here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month
3: with eligible trade in when you switch.